Well, good morning. I'm going to get us started. I'm Cole Pinnock. I am the assistant pastor here working with uh, church health and partnerships in our area. And I'm excited to get us started this morning working through our Adult Bible Fellowship, uh, our series on one anothering. And so some of you may remember that back in February, just a little over a month ago, Stephen Martin taught um, us about what it looks like for us to love one another and how we are built to be in community, how God has wired us for that from the beginning and how all that pointed towards the ultimate community we would find in Christ and we would realize in this life within local bodies and then how we are to express the relationship that we have with Christ uh, horizontally to one another by loving one another. And so we're going to continue uh, this series with these other commands. These, there are key commands that we find all throughout the New Testament that we as believers are to do toward one another. And, and chiefly, the, the aim of these commands is for how we relate within the body of Christ. There are going to be relationships we'll see between how uh, we do these things well within the body and how that is expressed outside the body, how we uh, care for those outside the body. But chiefly, primarily, we should be experts at one anothering within the body. And so what I want us to look at today are the commands, the expectations for us as believers to bear with one another, to bear with one another. So if you would, let me pray for us. We'll ask the Lord to lead us through his word in our time together. Lord, we, we come now to your word. We pray that it would teach us, that it would rebuke us, that it would correct us, that it would train us in righteousness. So we pray that we would be thoroughly, completely, perfectly equipped for every good work. And we pray that we would be uh, humbled by your gospel today and the, the truths of the, of the cross and the resurrection and the redemption that we can find in Christ. And Lord, we pray that we be, as we are humbled by that, that you would put on us a uh, compulsion, a desire to bear with one another, that we would do so with great endurance. Lord, we, we're grateful for how you have endured with us, and Lord, we pray that you teach us to endure well, to bear well with one another. We pray that our time now would honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in Matthew chapter 22... Verses 36 through 34, we famously get the, the great commandment. So, so Christ is asked, okay, well, how are we supposed to rank the commands? What, what, what are the most important? What's the best? What's your favorite? What's, what's the one that'll probably get me in? What's, if I can do one, what, what, what's, the, what's the minimum I could probably do? And, and that's not Christ's expectation. He, he compiles them together and, and points them fully towards our, our, our dependence on the Lord and how that expresses itself in love. And he says in, in Matthew, again, 22, 36 through 34, he's asked, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. 
and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So what, what Christ is doing here is he's taking the fullness of the Old Testament, all the law and the prophets, and he's saying everything in here uh, to, to the to the full extent of the, the, the purification laws and the civil laws and how we're, how we're to, to walk in daily life, they all depend on these two commands, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is an old command that has been from the beginning that he encapsulates here in the great command. And then in, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he's going to express that particularly within the new body of Christ, the, the, the particular gathered group of people who have gathered around his salvation that are not separated by, by geographic uh, boundaries or, 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 or social political boundaries or, or heritage boundaries or whatever else, but are gathered around Christ. And he's going to say in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another that you love one another. So this is an expression that comes out of the great command that we love God and we love our neighbor, but particularly we should be experts at loving one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is where Stephen started us a few weeks ago when we started this series on one anothering because this is the chief of the one another's. This is the fountainhead of the one another's. And I think what we'll see, even as we understand our commands that we're going to look at today, they spring from this command. That, that if, we, if we bear with one another, but we don't do it out of love, we do it out of some other uh, hope, some other uh, desire, some other, uh, maybe out of grit for ourselves, maybe out of manipulation, maybe out of a desire to self-serve. If we don't do it out of love, then it, it's all for naught. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, Stephen reminded us of this when we looked at it previously, but Paul writes that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what love does. It, it carries all things. It bears it up. It endures all things. Nothing crushes it. Nothing wipes it away. Nothing rubs it off. No, no, no. It endures all things. Love does that. And so as we are expressing our love to God and to neighbor, particularly in how we love one another, we should recognize that our love for one another should do these things as well. It should bear all things. It should believe all things. It should hope all things. It should endure all all things. Our love for one another should call us to bear with one another. And that's what we're going to see primarily in our study today. 
And so I want us to look at two, uh, two images that give us this idea that we're to bear with one another and how they relate to each other, two commands. All right, and we're going to see them uh, first in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, and then in Galatians 6 and Romans 15. So in that first one, in A, Ephesians 4, 2, and Galatians 3, 13, in Ephesians 4, 2, we, it says, well, in, starting in verse 1, it says, I... Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul writing to the Ephesians, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, how? In love. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Similarly, we're going to see this in Colossians chapter 3, Starting in verse 12, it says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So the, the word that Paul is using here that our English translations have, have given us as bear, so we bear with one another, uh, is, is the idea of enduring. So maybe you have, uh, maybe in your translation you have something like forbearing, or to forbear with one another, right? or, or, or to endure. Right? It, it literally means to uphold. Like the, as the word comes together, it's to hold things up. So with this idea is that we are to, to suffer with one another, to suffer alongside one another, to suffer each other. And we'll unpack what that means for us as we look at this particular way that we bear with one another. This requires us to do sustaining work right, within our own lives and within the, the life of the body that we sustain this work. We, we endure well. If we're going to bear with one another... We need to do it for the long haul. We need to endure. The, the second image uh, or, or picture or word that, that Paul uses is we find it in Galatians. And in Galatians 6.2, we're given this command, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So th- this idea here is not that we just that we uphold like a, like a pillar, Right, that we endure like a foundation, but this is literally to carry, literally to, to pick up and, and to take on your part of the burden. Like, like, like uh, many, many hands make heavy work light, uh, and many there is M-A-N-Y, not like small, many, many hands, but many hands make heavy work light. And I think this is the idea that Paul has for us here, is that we are to, we're to bear, we're to, to literally carry one another's burdens, or, or metaphorically carry the burdens that we have. So we'll unpack what those kind of burdens might be. But you'll see here in Galatians 6, 2, that again, this is chiefly tied to the love one another command. He, he says in Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our expectation on ourselves and for each other is that we should be desiring to fulfill the law of Christ chiefly, that we love one another. How do we do that? Well, we, we bear one another's burdens. We carry those things alongside them. Again, in Romans 15, we see this same idea that, that we who are strong have an obligation, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. We have an obligation to do this as brothers and sisters in Christ to carry with the failings of the weak, to help those in our body to carry what they've been, what they've been tasked to carry. So kind of as a, as a working definition of all of these understandings of, of how we're to carry this, Together, just to understand that what we're trying to aim for here is that we would be able to withstand the difficulties of carrying the burdens of life together. That's, that's, that's what we're trying to see. How, do, how does this happen? This is the expectation from Scripture. How are we going to do this? We are to withstand the difficulties of carrying the burdens of life together. Carrying the burdens of life together. Now, I think what Scripture has for us is an expectation that this is the pattern of our life. This isn't just a, a, a momentary thing. It's not a box that we check and be able to say, yeah, I, I did that once. I can point back to that time that I, that I bore someone's burdens, that I, I bore with somebody, I bared with somebody. No, no, this is meant to be the ongoing day in and day out pattern of the life of the believer, but more importantly, of the life and culture of the church. And so, so look with me uh, at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look a lot at these passages that I've given you here. So if you want to you know, throw a, a pen or a, a, a sermon card or your outline in in these different places in Ephesians 4 and in Colossians 3, then you, we're going to work back and forth between them um, and see how this all unpacks for us today. But if you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And we should expect that, that Ephesians uh, and Colossians have some similar language here. So the letter to the Ephesians and the letter to Colossians were probably written at the same time. Paul is in prison in Rome. He is writing back to a church he founded in Ephesus and to a church that was planted by the church in Ephesus up the road in Colossae because Epaphras had come down from his village to uh, Ephesus, had come to Christ under the teaching of Paul through the ministry of the church in Ephesus, and then had gone back to his hometown, and there he had done what Christians do, which is that they begin to share the gospel with those around them, and as other people, by God's grace, come to faith, they gather those together into a church, and so he has helped to form the church at Colossae. Paul's never been there, but he knows about them, he has concern for them, and so he writes them a letter at the same time that he writes the letter uh, to Ephesus, and there are similar themes. There are things that, are, that it's clear that it's on Paul's mind that he has, he has worries about these two churches, and so we'll pick up some similar things, but they're also unique because he's writing them to unique uh, people and places, and that's going to speak differently into ways uh, that that works out in our lives differently in different phases of our lives. But again, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul writes in, in verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you 
to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, Paul here and and throughout the book of Ephesians and Colossians is going to use this imagery of walk. I urge you, that's the command. I, I, I urge you to walk. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And, and it's important that we recognize that, that Paul uses this image of walk because it, it brings with it, it's, a, it's used throughout the Old Testament as well. We see it particularly like in, in Psalm chapter 1. But it, it's an image that conveys a movement. Right? It's, not, it's not just a, a snapshot. Right? It's not just a, a, a brief moment. Uh, in that life, we, we, if anything that the Instagram world has taught us is that we can stage anything in a moment, right? We, we, can, we, can, we can find the perfect snapshot. We can find the perfect way to get the lighting just right, right, to get our pose just right, to get the background just right. And we can, we can make anything look like anything for a moment. But what Paul has here is a video. He, he has, uh, he has a, a length of time. Uh, it, it's not just one of those uh, moving Harry Potter pictures that we now that our iPhones can take for us. It, it, it's an extended video of, of the evidence of our life. Well, what's the cadence? What's the pattern? What's the pace of our life? This is the expectation that he, the, the image that he has uh, for the Ephesians. What, what, what's your walk? I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. The, the pattern of the life of the believer, the pattern of the life of the collection of believers of the church is directly connected to our salvation. It's directly connected to the calling to which we have been called. Do you see how Paul emphasizes that? The calling to which you have been called? Right? It's an unnecessary repetition unless he's really trying to drill home that, that the pattern of our lives should spring from our salvation, the calling to which you have been called. He does the same thing when he writes to the Colossians. In Colossians 3, verse 12, he says, Put on then God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. He's going to go on in verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Peter would, would write to his readers, he would say, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. And what what Peter has just outlined in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 is that we are we're to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. We're, these are to be the growing elements of our lives, similar to how we're going to see uh, Paul use the put-on language, like clothing, these layers that are added to us. We are to make our calling and election sure. Be all the more confident, be all the more diligent, excuse me, to confirm your calling and election. What Peter is unpacking here is the idea that it is our job to look for the work of Christ in our life. 
not, not to rest back on, on a snapshot moment in our life, but to continue to look for God's outworking of his sovereign work in our lives, to call us to salvation. That, and then we should rest in and work in this identity of who we are. We are, according to scripture, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, holy and beloved, it says in Colossians 3.12. And so the, the, the cadence, the pace of our lives should, should match who we are in Christ. It should match the gospel. And so this is going to require us to share, our, share the burdens of others and to share our burdens with others. I think that's really, really important that we understand what does this look like? What is the cadence? It's that we are quick to share the burdens of others, to, to take on their burdens, and simultaneously, just as humbly, we are to share our burdens with others. That that we're not to, to try to walk in independence or, or, or self-reliance. Instead, we are we're to, to humbly, uh, trusting in, in, in God and God's work within the body, share our burdens with others. We need each other. We're, we're not to be self-reliant. The Bible tells us to, we're to be self-controlled, but not self-reliant, not, not independent. We need one another. We need one another. I think sometimes when we think about this command, we only think about how our job is to go to others and to pick up what they're carrying. And that is absolutely true. That is ab we absolutely have to do that. And we'll see a lot as we unpack this that that, that, that is the command and expectation for us. But, but part of that is also that we are willing to give our burdens for others to be able to follow that command. That, that you are, are providing a sanctifying opportunity for a brother and sister in Christ when you give them the opportunity to carry your burdens with you. That you're giving them the opportunity to respond to the expectation of Scripture that they would bear your burdens alongside you. Now, what I don't mean is I don't think that there's an expectation for us to just uh, lazily or, or selfishly or in, in, in an entitled way expect others to do all of our work for us. I, I don't think that's the expectation of Scripture. But I'm, I'll be honest, I'm less worried about that for this congregation. I'm less worried about that for us. I'm more worried that we will pridefully and, and, and self-centeredly hold on to all of our things not desiring to show any weakness to anyone else, not desiring uh, for anyone to know about our own frailties, hoping that no one will pick up on the fact that we're imperfect and hide all of those things for as long as we can instead of humbly offering up our burdens to others and asking them to be a part of how God is working to solve those things. My wife and I lived in a, in a little apartment complex uh, north of town when we first got married. And, uh, and at the bottom of, un, in our apartment complex, uh, there was a place where you could go and get your mail, right? So you turn the key, whatever, open up, mail comes out. And early on, I, I just assumed that that was like everything else, and you could put your mail in there to go away, right? And apparently that was not how that worked. 
And, uh, and so I would put mail in there and it would never disappear. And then there wasn't like a slot anywhere around. Uh, and so then I just started taking my mail to work, to mail it from work. Uh, because I didn't want to tell anybody that I didn't know how the mailbox worked. I didn't want to ask any of my neighbors. I didn't want to go ask the people at the front desk, like, hey, I'm sorry, this is a silly question, but I have no idea how the mailbox works, All right? And so I don't know how to mail mail. Can somebody help me? That seemed really silly, and I had no desire for anyone to know that I didn't know how to do that. So I just didn't do it. And then here's the story. We lived in that apartment complex for five years. For five years, I did not know how to mail mail from our home. I, I knew where every blue box was in town, so I could go and drop them off conveniently on my way to other things. I knew how to do it at work. I knew all those other things. But because the longer I went, the more foolish it seemed that I would tell anybody, hey, yeah, so we've lived here three years, uh, and I don't know how to send mail. So I would just hide that. For longer and longer and longer. And now, years later, I have a really silly story to tell about myself and how ridiculous it is that I spent five years unwilling to share with anyone my burden. But guys, we do that with much, much weightier things where we wait longer and longer and longer to share our burdens with one another. And so, brother and sister in Christ, hear me. One is share them quickly. It's a lot easier to share them early than to share them later. And then secondly, if you've been carrying a burden for years or decades, share it now. Share it soon. Because maybe 10 years ago would have been better than today, but today will be far better than 10 years from now. Share these burdens. We want to carry these burdens. We want to fulfill the law of Christ. That is our goal as brothers and as your brothers and sisters in Christ is we want to fulfill the law of Christ. And so give us the opportunity to bear that burden with you. Well, let's look at what these kinds of burdens are. I think chief among them is that we are, are called to bear with the sins of one another. We're to bear with the sins of one another. This is the language that we pick up in Colossians 3, verse 13. 3, verse 13 says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. How? As the Lord has forgiven you. It's the same in Ephesians uh, but chapter 4, but later towards the end of the chapter. So chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. What's interesting about this word in Colossians three thirteen that says, If anyone has a complaint against another, it's a word that's only used here. Uh, in, in this, in the, all of the New Testament, it's only used here. And I think Paul has in mind uh, dual elements. He's, he's picking up a particular word. So he's not just talking about sin, but he's including that. But he's also going to talk about the other things that we bear with one another. But I do think, first and foremost, this idea that we are to forgive. That part of bearing with one another is that we, we bear up with the sins of one another. And that starts with forgiving one another. 
This, of course, should make us think of the parable that Christ gives in Matthew 18 of the unforgiving servant. It's a, he says, uh, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. You remember this story. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. It's, a, it's an, uh, an un- unimaginable sum. It's the biggest sum of money that, that, we, that you could write out here at this time. And since he could not pay this immeasurable sum, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. He forgave him the debt. There's cool word connections here that we see. The, 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 uh, the unfaithful, who we're going to find is actually a really unfaithful servant as the story goes on. He cries out for patience. Pay, have patience with me. That, that, again, we're going to see later, that's an expectation on us. That's because it's been, because that is what Christ has had toward us. Is he has been patient. And out of pity for him, it says, this is this idea that, that with deep compassion, with emotions that go down to his core, he feels for this servant. And so he responds lovingly, generously, caringly toward this servant. Again, these are going to be expectations placed on us from Colossians 3.12. With compassionate hearts and kindness, we're to bear with one another. And, and what, what Christ is doing through this parable is he is illustrating for us what he has done for us. What he has done for us. That he has, with, with compassionate hearts and, and deep patience and humility and gentleness, as we'll see in our passage, he has carried for us our own sins. In contrast, we're, he gives the contrast there at the end of this parable. You'll remember that as we read on that the, the, the servant is forgiven right? in that moment. He's released. He's graciously released. And he goes down the road and he finds some other guy who, who owes him a, a, a pitiable amount of money. And he holds that guy in contempt. He's unforgiving towards him. And at the end of the story, the master pulls this guy back into custody, the first man. And he says, then the the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. And then Christ turns at the end of this parable and he turns it and speaks directly to his listeners. He says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We are to see in this picture the magnificent forgiveness that has been offered us in Christ. And then we're to turn that and forgive others. It's it's the reason that we can pick up this carried idea from Christ because he he carried his cross. He he bore that weight. So as we saw in our passage 
uh, in our sermon passage last week, that, that Christ carried that cross physically. It, it represented uh, visually that he is, he is bearing more than that. He is bearing our burdens. He, it's the same word. It's this, this idea that he is literally carrying this burden. And it's why when, uh, when Isaiah would write about this, uh, centuries before, he would pick up all this same carrying language. This is what Christ has done for us. This is the forgiveness he has offered to us. And so remember uh, Isaiah chapter 53, look, look again for all this carrying language that Christ has done. When it describes Christ, it says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. If you're here this morning, and this is a new idea to you, hear Christ here described. He, he, he wasn't uh, this grand, uh, glorified figure, the, the celebrity uh, with, with all the trappings. No, he was despised and rejected by men. He, he was acquainted with grief. And he was because he desired to, to, he was willing to carry our sorrows, to carry our sins, to bear our burdens. This is how we have been forgiven by Christ, is that he carried those things for us. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The forgiveness we have in Christ is that we don't bear the chastisement we deserve. It, it doesn't land on our shoulders if we have trusted in Christ for him to carry that. This applies to all of us. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us need this forgiveness. We all desperately need it. And if you have yet to trust in Christ, we pray that you would, that you would remember that we are not made to be independent and to carry this burden for ourselves. Instead, we are to be reliant on Christ. Rely on Christ. Trust in him. Repent and allow him to carry this great burden for you. Let him forgive you of your sins and to walk in this newness of life. Brother and sister, remember that we are to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Without regard to our own, uh, the own affliction that we will carry because we have forgiven, without regard to the, the, the later on being able to call that into question or use that for our own benefit, to be able to say, well, you did this that one time. Remember that? Remember how you did that? We don't get to carry those anymore. We release those. These are the ways that we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. So if we're going we're gonna to bear with one another, we need to forgive. Forgiven people, we, we, we forgive. When we've been forgiven much, we forgive much. And, and part of that forgiveness, part of that work with sin there is that we're also to be a restoring people. We're, we're to to not only work to forgive them of their sins, but to then restore them from their sins 
towards righteousness. That's the context of the bear one another's burdens that we see in Galatians 6. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Part of how we we bear with one another is that we bear the restoring weight of bringing a brother or sister back from transgression. So that starts with forgiving them, and then it works to see them fully restored within the body. So this this restoration, this idea is that we're to to make them perfect again, to to bring them back into right relationship. It's even the the beginning uh, of, again, in Matthew 18, when, when Christ begins to explain what it looks like for us to do this work, this is always the goal. When we talk about things like uh, discipling with one another, when we work to uh, rebuke and correct one another, when we, when we go through the process, uh, the diligent, hard process of church discipline, this is always our goal, is that we who are spiritual would restore our brother who's been caught in a transgression with gentleness. So in Matthew 18, when it begins to uh, lay out the, this process that we would go through with church discipline, it starts with, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. You've gained him back. This is this, this re- restoration idea. So we need to do this hard work. Brothers and sisters, we need to we need to do this well. We, we can't leave one another to carry the weight of the burdens of our sin. Christ did not leave us to carry that weight. We do not, as brothers and sisters in Christ, leave each other, abandon each other to carry the weight of, of our sins alone. But instead, we're to work hard, the hard work of restoring a brother and sister in Christ. Some of you may love those like History Channel or Discovery Channel shows that are all just restoration shows where, where it starts with a guy who finds like an old uh, beat up VW bus at the beginning and you look at that and you're like, there's no way they can do anything with that. And at the end, it's turned into like a, a, a driving popsicle machine. It's just fantastic and chromed out. Like, how is that even possible? There is tons of work, hard, diligent, dirty work that's involved. Lots of expertise that's needed. Lots of help that's needed. But that pictures what we are to do as we bear with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is hard work, and it requires courage. It requires courage for us to step in, even with the smallest of sins. And when we saw last week that uh, in the ABF hour that God is gracious when he sends us friends who are willing to do this who are, are willing to humbly call us out in our sin, to, to point us to the gospel, to give us opportunity to repent. Praise God when he provides that for us. And praise God when you are that brother and sister. But that requires courage, boldness in Christ, to trust that the work that we do in Christ, well, it's, it's empowered by the Spirit. It, it's led by him. It, it ultimately has the goal of restoring 
It has that work of, of sanctification. These are things we're to do with sin as we bear with one another. But, but I think also we're to see that we're, we're to bear just with strangeness, just otherness. There, there, are, there are things about uh, the Christian life that require us to, to interact with people who are wired differently than us. And we're to do that with eagerness. We are to be eager to do that. That, that goes against every self-centered, self-serving impulse within us to intentionally put us in places around otherness, about, around strangeness. We, we are not the same. And I think the, the idea here is that there are categories of things that are, that are sins against God and against us, and, the, and the, those things require the, the blood of Christ to forgive those things, us to set those aside. And there are other things about us that aren't sinful. They're just different. The way you think, the way you speak, the, the, per, the perceptions that you have, the experiences you have, the priorities that you have, the, these are not uh, first tier sinful things. These are far further down the line, but we are to embrace that strangeness, that otherness with eagerness. Ephesians 4, verse 2 and following says, Bearing with one another in love, eager, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That requires effort. Man, it's so much easier to just be fine with a little difference, to be fine with how things are going, be fine if they're not as good as they could be. But instead, we are to be eager, eager to build unity, to maintain unity in the Spirit. And this is because we are part of a body. We're part of a, of a diverse body in different ways, which means that different elements of the body carry different burdens. Some of that is just otherness and strangeness. Some of that is the difficulties of, the, of living life in a broken world. And you may not personally experience that, but a brother and sister in Christ is experiencing that. And part of the body is experiencing that. And it's, it's your role to help bear that well. To, to bear that cancer diagnosis, to bear that, the, the, the frustration and the disappointment of, of, a, of a wayward child, maybe one in the home or out of the home, one who, who's not following Christ, who's questioning their faith. It, it's, it's ours to, to bear with one another through, through hardship and difficulty, through job loss, through pandemics and all the things that, that may come with it. We do that even if it doesn't affect us personally, but because we are part of this body. And as part of this body, we care about how the other elements of the body are doing. And, and that image should be striking to us. My, my hand does care how my toe is doing. Right? My my, my knee does care how my heart is doing. It may not feel like it needs to. It may think that it could work independently, it, it, but we are, we are all attached. That's how we have to think of us as members of the body. And, and, and so that's why in both these places, in, in Ephesians and Colossians, Paul picks up this language of 
that we are part of the body. If we're to bear with one another, it's to recognize it's because we're in the body. So in Ephesians 4, verse 4, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Again, Christ is attaching our identity within the body to our identity in Christ, our calling and our election, our salvation in him. One, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We're, we're to honor Christ's giving, get gracious gifts within the body. Okay, that we're, that this is going to come with strangeness. So when he, when he writes that to the Colossians, uh, he, he does it kind of in an, in an odd way. If you're reading through Colossians chapter 3, he's going to have this metaphor that he uses about clothing. He uses it in Ephesians as well and uh, in Galatians. But it were to put off the old self and to put on the new self. And he's tracking really well with the imagery. So, so back in, uh, in, in 3, uh, kind of up, up in verse 5, he's going to tell us that we're to put off certain things. Uh, there are five things we put out of our mouths. And then he's going to talk about there are, there are five things we put out of our lives right, in, in 3.8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator. That's verse 10. Okay, And we have been starting in, in 12 with this idea of put on. So he's, you see the, the image, it's just tracking really well. Put off all these things, put, put them all away, put on the new self. And you expect him to go from verse 10 to verse 12. Put on the new self, so put on these things. And he has this weird verse he throws in in verse 11. Did you see it? Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And you're thinking, Paul, I was totally tracking with the put off, put on language. Like, I, like as a whole, I, I totally get what you're trying to do here with this image. I, I know what I'm supposed to do in my life. What does verse 11 have to do with anything? And I, I know that that comes from our selfish mindset. Maybe that's a Western individualism kind of thinking, but more than I think that's because we think this is all about me exclusively. What do I exclusively need to do irregardless of those around me? And Paul's view is for the Colossians as a whole, for the whole church, for the whole body. And so he's going to remind them as they are putting off the old self and preparing to put on the new self, that they put on the new self, knowing that they're going to be surrounded by otherness, by strangeness. There's going to be people around them who are different, who come from a different background, who speak a different language, who have different priorities, who, who chafe at certain things and who love others, other parts. There are going to be all of these elements, and it doesn't matter, because Christ is all and in all. Paul's not looking at the Colossians as individuals, but as a body. And we need to see ourselves that way. We need to expect strangeness. We need to expect differences of opinion. I think that's where, where Paul picks it up when we, we looked at Romans 15 verse 1. 
and that, the, that we have the obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, that's going to come right out of Romans 14, which is Paul's expectation for the Romans that they know that there are going to be differences on third tier things. They should be, should be unified on the gospel. He spent chapters and chapters explaining exactly what it looks like for us to trust in Christ and in Christ alone. Not trust in anything else, but in Christ and in Christ alone. And then he's going to say, and then as you guys do that well, there are going to be differences on how that plays out in small ways. Chapter 14 is going to unpack about what, that, what does that look like about some people who are sensitive to the nature of, 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 of certain kinds of drinks or certain kinds of food, whatever else. And Paul's going to say, Guys, you should be convinced of what you need to do. You need to think well. You need to be faithful and prayerful on these things. And then you need to hold them loosely because you are eager to maintain unity in the body of Christ. You are eager to do that. And so the strong are expected to carry with, we have an obligation to bear with the failings or, or, or the weaknesses or the, the infirmities of the weak with us. And th those may be perspective things, how we think about masks, how we think about the pace at which we should uh, open or stay closed, how we should think about the songs that we sing or, or the, the arrangement of our services or how we should think about the, the priorities we should give to this mission organization or that mission organization or, or this ministry within our church or this ministry within our community. There are a myriad of things that we will have differences on. And it, it's good for us to talk about those, for, to, for to express those things, but they should not be what divides us. We should bear with one another in those things. We have an obligation. Let each of, so again, the expectation in, in Romans 15 is that we are strong, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. That's our goal as we bear with one another, to build one another up. And, and there are all kinds of ways that you guys might do this. There are ways that, that we're, where we might in, uh, intentionally bear with the, the difficulties, um, the, the lack of expertise maybe that each of us have in different areas. So, I love that, that this passage in the context talks about singing, talks about harmony. Uh, praise God that I have a wife who sings like an angel and praise God that she is so patient with me that I don't, that I don't. Uh, those, those little differences may seem inconsequential, but they, they could amount to greater things. They could become things that, that block our unity in Christ. And praise God that Caroline uses her expertise to bless this body and not to shame this body. I can't believe y'all don't sing like I sing. How silly would that sound if Caroline did that? But we do that in so many other ways. We do that in so many other ways. We, we shame one another for not having reached a certain level of, of interest or, or, or desire or experience or expertise. So I'll, I'll give you another one. I, I think we want to bear with one another in how we use technology. Not, not, not everyone in our body is, a, is uh, either is a technological native or, 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 or uh, 
or puts stronger boundaries on the way that they use technology. This is a third tier thing. And this is the thing we want to be careful to instruct one another, to give wisdom with one another, to encourage one another, and then also to bear with one another. So we, a couple, about a year ago, needed to try to figure out how do we solve the problem of having member meetings where each member needs to vote individually, where, where each member has the opportunity to do that, but in a way we could do it socially distant. We looked at lots of different options and considered lots of different factors. And, and, and the, the best solution we could come up with was that we needed to be, that we would use a service that allowed us to text in that voting. For some of you, that was, that was a no-brainer. That was easy. And you're, you're really tired of me explaining every time how this works. For others of you, that's a, that's a point of frustration. That, that's difficult. That's, that's not helpful. And some of us need to help me come up with, help us come up with even more creative solutions to solve this. This may, may not be the only way to solve this. I would love for your input on how can we find ways for more members of our body. But it also could mean that some of, some of our members who, who are really uh, great with, with technology need to go spend members meetings in the homes of members who could use some help with that. Who could use... Who, who need us to, with compassionate hearts and patience, walk through? Because we don't want to eliminate any member from our body to be able to do this. We want to, to seek to do that well, to bear that small burden well with one another. Well, with just a few minutes left, I want us to, to look at some of the chief characteristics that we should have in our lives collectively and individually if we're going to do this well. And what you find in the context of each of those four chief passages I gave you at the beginning are lists of characteristics of how we're to walk in Christ. And so in Galatians, when we saw it in Galatians 6-2 that we're to bear the burdens with one another, that comes right out of Galatians 5 when he gives us the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. In, in, in Romans uh, 15, that's all been set up by Romans 12. Romans 12 that tells us that love is to be genuine and explains how that genuine love plays out in our lives. And, and here in Ephesians 4 and in Colossians 3, we have these descriptions, and I'd love to go through all of them, but I'll just hit some high notes. Particularly, I've pointed out the ones in your handout that are the ones that are repeated and so, in, in Ephesians, it says that we are, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, and patience. So let's just briefly look at those three. Humility is an absolute necessity for us to do this well. Humility is required for us to offer up our burdens to others. You can't walk in your own uh, self-dependence, your own independence, without selflessly offering up these burdens for others to carry with us. I, I, I'm afraid that pride will be the chief reason that we don't do this well as a church. And so we are to be humble. We're to be humble. If we're going to offer this up. But I also think that that. Paul has humility in mind when he commands the Galatians to carry this for one another. So we saw our command in Galatians 6 
that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And that this is an expectation that this is about bearing sin and restoring one another. But surrounding that expectation that we bear with one another and fulfill the law of Christ is a warning against pride. A warning against pride. So in chapter 5, and we, because of the chapter numbers in here, we can kind of lose the continuity that, that's going here. But Paul, is, he's explained what it looks like for us to be to walk in the spirit with the fruit of the spirit. And then in 525, he says, if we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. But if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual and spiritual here is not how our culture might use spiritual in a culture largely or even kind of a church culture that spiritual means like oh they're, they're like they're really mature they're 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 uh, oh they've reached this upper echelon uh, of christianity they, they they found this new layer or whatever else no 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 this should be directly tied to this idea that we are in step with the spirit we are guided by the spirit we are bearing fruit in keeping with repentance according to the fruit of the spirit and so those of us who are doing that we should restore one another with gentleness keeping watch on yourself lest you be tempted and then he's going to say for in verse three for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself again this is the command the warning that we avoid pride even as we do this as we bear with one another. Yes, you should watch out that you don't fall into sin that the particular person that you're walking with is, is dealing with. So if you deal with, uh, with addiction issues, if you deal with uh, lust issues, if you deal with maybe substance abuse issues, all those kinds of things, then you want to be mindful, careful about how you carry the burdens with others, that you not be tempted to fall into that same sin. But I don't think that's just what Paul has in mind here. I don't think he's just worried about you falling into their same sin. I think he's worried about you thinking, oh, I would never fall into that sin. I would, I would never sin like that guy sins. Praise God that I am not like that tax collector. I'm so happy to carry their burdens. I'm so happy to teach them what they should have done. I'm so happy to help restore them. And all the time I'm thinking, oh man, I'm so much better than they are. This has a confirmed to me how much better I am than them. Paul says, if anyone thinks he is something, if you think that you're better than them, when you are actually nothing, you deceive yourself. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. It's a really interesting turn of phrase there. Did you catch it? We're expected to bear with one another these loads, but one day you will stand in judgment and you will bear your own load before Christ, before the eternal throne. And if Christ is not carrying that and you're found to still be carrying that, well, then you have no hope but judgment. But if you have given that to Christ and that is expressed in how you fulfill the law of Christ, well, then that's how we bear one another's burdens and you can trust that Christ has carried that. And so, as we look to Christ in this Christ-likeness, we need to bear with one another humbly, as Christ humbly came to save us. We're to do this gently. 
This is, again, this was the idea that we saw earlier in, in Galatians 6, that we're to, we're to restore one another with gentleness. And so remember that as we speak to one another, that Proverbs 15.1 reminds us that a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up, stirs up wrath. That the work that we do in restoring one another, the work that we do with bearing one another sh- should be gentle. And, and I think the, the, the translators of the ESV don't help us here for whatever reason that they chose in Colossians to translate this same word as meekness instead of as gentleness like we see it in Ephesians, although they're, spo- they're clearly parallel. But I think that even helps us understand here that gentleness is not a lack of strength. It's bridled strength. It's well-used strength. It's strength for a purpose. And so, yes, there is hard work involved in carrying burdens, particularly when it comes to discipline and, and, and the difficulties of living in a very broken world. This will grow hard work, but we do it with gentleness. We do it patiently. I think this is at the heart of, of this idea of bearing with one another, that we, we are long-suffering Again, as Christ has forgiven us, we forgive. As Christ has been patient with us, we are patient with one another. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting to any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He has been patient with us, so be patient with one another. And a final one I just want to throw in before we step away is that we are to be thankful for one another. Thankful. This is the context of Colossians 3. In 15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were indeed called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think a a, a simple way we can work to bear one another's burdens is to be thankful for one another and for one another's burdens. To to thank God for, for the ways he has built this body with all of its peculiarities, even with its sin struggles. We, we would thank God for this body and be diligent to do so. And so, so practically, think through how that, that relates to how you, th- how you pray through the directory, how, how you pay attention to the focus email that we send out, how you join us on, on Wednesdays uh, to pray. What are the ways that you are you're intentionally being thankful? Even put, put a very sharp point on it. Think about those within the body you are most likely to disagree with most likely to have a complaint against, most likely to be frustrated with, most likely to have been sinned against by. Be thankful for them. Intentionally, diligently, be thankful to God the Father for them. Even as we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to encourage one another, and those aren't your favorite songs and hymns and spiritual songs, be thankful that you can bear one another's burdens as you sing those songs together, that those are the songs that, that ring true uh, with them, that, that you're teaching that truth to them through. Bear one of those burdens well with one another. And in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. 
Let me pray for us and we'll close. Lord, we pray that you, as the God of endurance and encouragement, that you would grant us to live in such harmony with one another. The harmony that only comes through the work of the Spirit in our lives. That we would, that you would grant us the harmony that is in accord with Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray that together with one voice, that we would glorify God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that that be true as we gather together and as we spread out in our individual lives and in our collective lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry I didn't leave us good time for questions and answers. I'd love to discuss these things with you. You can catch me afterwards, but I would also really encourage you, one of the ways you can bear one of those burdens is to, to talk through these things with one another. So we have a little bit of time before the service starts. We've given you some discussion questions. So as you move forward to create more room for others so we can bear those burdens, right? we can pack more folks in here and, and they can find seats that accommodate them. As you move around and you bear those burdens in that way, consider just gathering with a few folks that you can talk through and opening up, sharing your answers to these questions and then encouraging and strengthening one another. We'll get started with the main service here in about 20 minutes or so.